December 17, 1975. Top stories in the news. Albany legislators are ready to act on a state tax package. New York woman tells of her close personal relationship with the late JFK. The Transit Authority to make several changes in subway operations to meet financial losses. This is Lester Smith reporting. Next news as it happens. Next scheduled news. 11 o'clock over WOR Radio 710. The Talk of New York. Scrooge. Remember old Scrooge? 
Remember him walking around there? What was his first name? I'll give you a brass figure with bronze oak leaf palm if you can tell me what his first name was. Now, the first person that calls up and says, Hezekiah is going to get hit over the head with my heat kit here. What? Well, that's close. All right, all right. I'll, that's close enough for jazz. Ebenezer Scrooge. And uh, how many of you remember his partner? Very few people remember his partner. You know, he was in business, old Scrooge. Yes. He was part of little business, uh, the small business associations. Yes, his uh, his partner's name was Barley. That is correct. And uh, what was his uh, his first name? What was his first name? Well, he, he had a bad time. I mean, it was pretty rotten to you know find yourself in partnership with Scrooge anyway. And how many of you can tell me what Scrooge did in his business? Now, they had a business there, and uh, you remember his uh, his uh, clerk. His clerk was a big guy. Uh, he was a big guy in the story. Yeah, he was very famous. He had this roll-top desk and a quill pen, and he worked like 24 hours a day, and the temperature was very cold in the office all the time. You remember he was always trying to raise the thermostat, and uh, and he was complaining all the time it was cold, and every time he would, he would inch the thermostat up, uh, Mr. Scrooge would holler from the next room, Who turned up the thermostat? Do you remember that? Well, what was the name of that clerk? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, because now we're getting very esoteric. Uh, and uh, since we are now living in an age of total uh, illiteracy, I'll have to tell you what his name was. His name was Bob, remember? Thatcher. And he had this daughter, Becky. Yes, his daughter's name was Becky, and uh, she played a very important role in the uh, in the story. Don't you remember she got lost in a cave and all that? So, uh, nevertheless, uh, Christmas can be a very, a very tra- you know, very traumatic time. And as a kid, I'm uh, you know, I, I got the we used to get the funny papers. They called them funny papers in those days. That because in those days they were. Now, of course, they're largely social documents. And uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, after all. The Wizard of Id is a social document. It's not very funny, but it's a social document. And uh, in those days, they really had they had uh, they had things called comics. Uh, one uh, one does not call Charlie Brown a comic. That's a quasi-religious parable. Uh, whereas uh, you know the comics were really kind of Mutt and Jeff were always hitting each other on the head. And uh, well, what was the name of the girl in the comics who? Uh, was a worker. She, uh, in fact, uh, the name of the comic strip had to do with the fact she worked for a living. Tilly the Toiler. Correct. <laughs> well, all right. Now, I, anyway, these, these are the, all these, you know, the, all these things. I was never hung on comic strips like Joel Siegel. Apparently, all Joel Siegel did as a boy was to go out and drink, uh, drink egg creams, uh, collect, uh, uh, <laughs> collect baseball cards, play stickball, and uh, talk about the good old days. I did none of those as a kid. I, I was not involved in stickball, which was a game that only girls named Eileen played. Uh, and uh, and as far as the collecting baseball cards was concerned, that was for kids. I never did that. I never did any of that stuff. I never collected baseball cards. Uh, I played checkers a lot, though. At, at one point in my kid career, I went through a domino stage. Did you ever go through a stage where you played a game fanatically 24 hours a day? Well, uh, that was just about the time when Monolope, as we called it in our neighborhood, was very big. 
You know the game where you buy park place, you buy a park hotel, <laughs> you buy the waterworks. Well, no, no, I don't want to burden you with the story of why we called it Manalope in the neighborhood. Why? Well, because uh, one of the kids in shop, we had shop, you know, in our school. We took a thing called shop, and uh, that's where you made bookends, and uh, you messed around. I, I made a, a corner a corner shelf, you know, the V kind of shelf thing. It was really great. Uh, all the shelves, one, one shelf went uphill, one shelf went downhill, and uh, I gave it to my mother for Christmas. She still has that damn thing. It really... <laughs> and every year I look at it. You know, I expect one year to look at it and say, gee, could I really make such a good thing when I was a kid? As I realize now, looking at the, at that thing, I must have been just a little bit more talented than your average two-year-old ape, who's really a bad-looking shelf. I got a C-plus on it, but uh, anyway, <laughs> that was shop, see? And, and uh, Bolus, now, Bolus uh, went through an entire year in shop working on his shop project. We were in eighth grade at the time, and uh, he worked the whole year, and you were supposed to turn in this project at the end of the year, and that's how you got your grade. Well, he made the most magnificent inlaid, beautiful. He made it inlaid. You know, it was on a big piece of five-ply, and he, he got different colored woods and all that jazz, and he made an inlaid Monopoly board. Now, there's a copy of the Monopoly board. It's inlaid. And you know how in the middle of it it says Monopoly You've seen that? Well, we sat down the first afternoon down in Schwartz's basement with Bolus's new Monopoly board, and me and Gaze Nemeth and Stanley Roper and Schwartz and Flick were all going to play this game. And we started out. By the way, nobody has ever actually won a Monopoly game. I think that's one of the reasons Monopoly is such a, such a very uh, exciting game to play. Sometimes it goes on eight, nine years. People keep playing this game. <laughs> and and uh, we sat down to play, and all of a sudden, Gazer is looking at this board, and he says, uh, Hey, Bullis, that doesn't look right. And Bullis says, What do you mean it doesn't look right? I got an A+. Plus. And Gazer says, No, it just doesn't look right. There's something funny about it. Well, he was the only one that spotted it. He was the only one that could really read well in eighth grade. And there was an extra letter in it. It was Monolope. Can you imagine making <laughs> making a, an inlaid board and you spell it wrong on your inlay? Well, it says Monolope. Well, it was much easier to change our language than to change the board. So from that time on, we always played Monolope to this day. I always refer to the uh, oil Monolope. And, uh, yes, it's uh, deeply ingrained in my head. So... <laughs> At the bottom of, of one of these comic strips this week, they had a picture of a kid. You remember when they had ads at the bottom of the comic strips, the Sunday comic strips? I'm talking about the color ones, you know? And they had a, one of these little ads at the bottom where it says AVT, advertisement, AVT. And it was another little comic strip, and it shows a kid who was, uh, who was a kind of a sullen, moody kid. And it says uh, Clifford was a sullen, moody kid until one day he clipped out this coupon and received this wonderful catalog showing all the wonders that the Model 27 erector set can make. And it shows him manning it, and he gets it back, and his mother and father says, yes, that would be very interesting to buy for Clifford. And now you see this kid. He's kneeling down in front of a Ferris wheel. You've seen that ad? A Ferris wheel. And it said it has a motor that actually runs it. <laughs> it comes complete with a motor. Well, I, I oh, boy, I... I I was, you know, you go through a phase, especially when you're a male kid, of building things. You want to build. Uh, it's, uh, it's a deep urge. 
And the idea of having an erector set where you can build such things as uh, Ferris wheels, motor-driven uh, merry-go-rounds. They even had a drawbridge that went up. Now, we never had any drawbridges in our neighborhood, but they <laughs> had a drawbridge. You've seen that one? It, it comes up like that. And, uh, man, man, it was really exciting. And so I started a kvetch. They're using a New York phrase. I wanted an erector set. And uh, my mother kept saying, well, don't, 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 uh, don't, uh, uh, don't push too hard. Maybe Santa Claus will hear you. <laughs> don't, you know, I, I want to make sure Santa Claus heard me. So I kept working away at this thing, hoping Santa Claus would hear me. And finally Christmas came. And uh, I rushed down. You know, all the stuff was piled up under the Christmas tree. And I got a tinker toy set instead of an erector set. A tinker toy set with the sticks, and you could make a windmill. You know, with the little uh, colored paper things, like the veins, windmill veins that went into the edge of the slots of the sticks. And I mean, it's hard to explain. It's like it's like ordering uh, seven dollars scotch and getting strawberry yuho. Once you got your mind set for a thing, you're not gonna. You're not going to settle for any Tinker Toy. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean. So, speaking of Tinker Toy, this is WOR New York, and we've just started, friends. We have just started. Yeah, that's exciting, isn't it? Okay. Listen, gang, you can relax. Uh, Christmas won't be here forever. And uh, even though there are toys. It's like, it's like, well, radio and television is like the newspapers in one way. Have you noticed that the New York Times gets fatter and fatter as Christmas approaches. In fact, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, about three years ago, the New York Times had one issue that had so many ads in it uh, before Christmas that it set the all-time record for weight that the paper weighed the most it ever weighed. And uh, I could uh, believe that it may even go over that this year. How much do you think it was? Just guess now. I'm talking about the Sunday edition. You know, like about uh, oh, 12 pounds? Well, that's a little heavy. <laughs> that's a little heavy. A 12-pound paper. I mean, if you if, if you were to go out, you know, somebody says, hey, listen, if you're going out to pick up the Times, why don't you pick one up for me and bring one back for Aunt Clara, and it weighed 12 pounds, you'd be coming back. With... <laughs> no, actually, the, the most it ever weighed, as far as I know, was around eight pounds, which is a lot of paper. I mean, that's a lot of lining for a lot of bird cages. Let me tell you. It, uh, yeah, it's in fact, uh, radio's like that, see, and so is television. As, as Christmas gets closer, the uh, programs get skinnier and skinnier, and the, the commercial time gets fatter and fatter. Until eventually, uh, you know, your radio's sitting over in the corner rich and ripe, and it's got leaves growing out. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, squirting pitches out at you even when you turn it off. All right, let's start uh, with one of the pitches here. Are you looking for a different kind of gift this year? Huh? Well, there's a massage parlor down the street that's offering gift. No, no, that's another one. Uh, this is, uh, are you looking for a different kind of gift this year? Forget the ties. Yeah, did you know? Oh, listen, i got to report this. Wait a minute, i got to report this. Uh, I want this to be put down in a uh, vast file of trivia so that a thousand years from now, They'll know what it was like. I'm walking along 6th Avenue, 
uh, just the other day, and there's millions of people out, uh, you know, Christmas shopping, pre-Christmas shopping. they got all kinds of fun with teller bags and stuff, and I'm walking along 6th Avenue, and this guy is standing on the corner, it's about 48th and 6th, and he's handing out little brochures as you walk along, you know, he's, he comes sneaking up, and he, and he looks, he looks you in the eyes, see, before he hands it to you. He's selective, he's not giving it to everybody. I mean, it's really discouraging to, to be singled out of the crowd to, to be handed a flyer for a pointy joint. I mean, they, they ignore everybody else, and they single you out and give you one. <laughs> now, wait a minute. He's handling these. He's handing out these these uh, pointy flyers. You know, these little flyers that tell you, come to Madalazonga for a, for an afternoon of really voluptuous living. Uh, you know, and that, that, so he's handing these things out. And he shoves one in my hand, see, and I'm talking to this guy, and uh, I have it in my hand before I even know what happened. You know, here, buddy, here, here. I, I look at it, what the heck is this? And it's got little holly leaves all around it. It says, <laughs> it says the uh, Times Square artist models and uh, wonderful afternoon in the Arabian Nights massage parlor is offering a Christmas special, a gift-giving Christmas special. It says, give your connoisseur discerning friends a gift coupon. How about that? <laughs> Isn't that kind of great? Give your boss an afternoon down at Madame Lazonga as a gift. Boy, that was a dynamite lady there on that commercial. Could you find her again for me there? I mean, uh, she's been drinking at the Amphora's all right. <laughs> you can't find it? All right. It's Okay. Listen, uh, before we go any further, we get... No, I'm not going to give you any more of those. We rest a little bit. It's Christmas time. What the heck, you know? You know, speaking of Christmas, uh, it brings out the madness in a lot of people, I'll tell you. Uh, did I ever tell you about the girl I knew who carried with her? And uh, she's a well-known actress, by the way. She was so, so uh, insecure. I think Christmas time is the time when people insecurities really come popping out. They really do. Um, I mean, it takes a very secure guy to say to somebody, ah, oh, to hell with Mr. Bullard. I'm not going to send him no Christmas cards. Now, that's a that's a secure type, I'll tell you. <laughs> and, uh, and it takes... Speaking of Christmas cards, I keep getting mysterious Christmas cards. Uh, it, you know, it's been persisting for years. Uh, every... Every Christmas, a couple of weeks before Christmas, I'm taking these cards. And uh, I'll open it up, and the card will say, uh, Love, Pat and Terry. It's been a long time. <laughs> Pat and Terry? Who the Pat and Terry? Get a Christmas card from Cleveland. <laughs> it's been a long time. Or uh, I'll open a card, it'll say, My darling, why don't you write, Sign Myrtle. <laughs> yeah. And there's a you know, Christmas card with a little dog wearing a Santa Claus, Santa Claus suit. And uh, who the heck is Myrtle? And uh, I, I just wonder whether uh, Christmas cards uh, bring out the madness in people. But I did know a girl. Now, I'll tell you, one time I uh, had a very fantastic week before Christmas. It taught me about people's insecurity. And, I, yeah, I, I knew this girl. I was going with her for a while. She was a pretty well-known actress. And... Uh, and about a, oh, about a month before Christmas, she started to get very, very, uh, very uh, short-tempered uh, and uh, kind of nervous and twitchy. You ever, you ever dated a twitchy person? 
Yeah, you know, very twitchy, very tense around the mouth all the time, and kind of funny look in the eye. And uh, I say to her, uh, are you listening to me? She says, yes, yes, yes. I don't blame you for saying that. Say what? Uh, what? I, I, I just, uh, I didn't say anything. I just want to know if you're listening to me. She never listened, and uh, she'd get very nervous. It's Christmas time. And so I finally discovered why. Uh, yeah, this uh, went on for months uh, before Christmas, and finally about, oh, about three weeks before Christmas, she says, would you, uh, would you come over to my place and help me today? And I said, do what? Uh, I was getting a little tense myself at this point. I said, do what? She said, well, I know what I'm going to do, but I hate Christmas, and it's, it's, I, I need some help. I said, what is it? What's the help? What is the help? She said, come on over this afternoon. I'll see you, too. So I said, well, okay. You know, I figured, you know, there's going to be a little sherry and port drinking and a little nuzzling under the, uh, under the, uh, under the mistletoe. But I got over there, and instead, the entire apartment, all over the floor, was covered with envelopes. Um, clean, bright envelopes just laying all over the floor with a Christmas card under each envelope. And I came tiptoeing in. She said, don't, don't, don't step on anything. Don't, don't step on anything. I said, what's up? What's up? She said, just, just follow me. And we go into her. She had this little breakfast dinette thing. And we sat down at opposite sides of the dinette, and she had in front of her a big, fat notebook, a loose-leaf notebook, you know, the little kind that has a leather cover that you're supposed to carry with you, and it had five rings. And it was fat. It was about as fat as a... As a as a cantaloupe, really fat, and and millions of addresses in it. Absolutely packed full of addresses, and they were written in pencil and in pen. Some of them were written in lipstick. Uh, some of them were written in blood. Uh, yeah, they were written in all kinds of stuff, like grape juice. And I said, what the heck is this? My Christmas list. My, my Christmas card list. She says, now, when I read these names off, you see if you can find the Christmas card out on the floor there. You look around and check it off as I give it to you. And she says, all right, now, uh, here's the first one. Alonzo J. Flywheel, 1614 Cullum Avenue, Chicago, Illinois. I said, Alonzo J. Flywheel, 1617 Cullum Avenue, Chicago, Illinois. Who is he? She's never right. Find the card. I'm looking for the card, and finally, way over under the fern, I find Alonzo J. Flywheel. I said, over here, Alonzo J. Flywheel. She says, okay, now put the card in the envelope and seal it up. And hold it up so I can see it. Make sure you're sending it. So I pick up the card, and there was this very expensive Christmas card, you know, the kind that folds out and it, it plays Noel for you. And it's got uh, little elves that come out and run around the floor. It's a fantastic Christmas card. And I put the whole thing back in the envelope, and I feel it. And I said, okay, it's sealed. She says, all right, now hold it up so I can see it. So I hold it up. She says, now put it over on the table in the corner. So I tiptoe among all the other cards. I land on the table, and she checks it off. She says, okay, now. Bernice and Roy Cleverman. 1422 Avenue B, Madison, Wisconsin. This is Maurice and Roy Cleverman. No, she says, Bernice, Bernice. I said, oh, Bernice and Roy Cleverman. Okay. So I look around, 
takes me about 15 minutes. I finally find that card. And I finally had to ask her, after six hours of addressing cards and putting them in, I said, who are these people? Who is Flywheel? She said, I don't know. I said, you don't know? She said, I can't remember. I said, but who is Cleverman? I don't know. Don't bother me. I've got to get these cards out. Well, that afternoon, I learned that some people send Christmas cards to people they only once vaguely knew for ten minutes in their lives. They're so insecure, they have to send Christmas cards to guys that work the elevator at an agency once where they bought insurance. <laughs> she sent out 12,000 Christmas cards a day for at least five days. She must have sent out 100,000 cards. And out of the whole crowd, she probably knew four of the people. And I aided and abetted her. She almost sucked me into it. I began to get nervous about not sending Christmas cards. I began to worry. I began to see that maybe I myself was amiss. You know, I keep thinking about that girl every time I see her on television. She does all kinds of TV dramas, and she's in the movies a lot. And every time I see her, I think of her nervously every year, getting out her vast Christmas card list. And, yeah, she sent them to people like uh, once uh, she knew this doorman. <laughs> and, and, and it wasn't even a doorman in her building. He was in the building down the street, and she used to walk past the building. She said, you never know, and I might live there. And then, oh, insecurity, thy name is so wow. You know, one of the great things about uh, Christmas <laughs> is that it brings out a lot of symbolic stuff in our society. And if you, if you watch television, you can really see it happening. Uh, all kinds of wild stuff uh, being advertised that you never see advertised at any other time of the year. And in fact, you don't even see the product at any other time of the year. Have you seen those uh, those things that are made especially for gift-giving? Well, now, wait a minute. How many times do you see a combination vegetable slicer, potato masher, uh, cabbage shredder, razor sharpener, fish hook remover, and shoe polisher all in one machine, in one plastic machine <laughs> called the uh, Multiple Daisy Handy Dandy Do-It-All machine? How many times have you ever seen those things Say, like in July. I mean, they don't slice vegetables in July. They only slice vegetables two weeks before Christmas. And uh, about three days after Christmas, when the guy, you know, he's trying it out, and uh, he slices the tomatoes, and he discovers he sliced half his thumb into the Caesar salad. And <laughs> but you've seen those machines. Well, I, uh, you know, these, those are called Christmas gift uh, items. They have nothing to do with real life. And uh, I... Uh, I think that one day, like maybe 50 or 100 years from now, when people are collecting trivia of our time, and they will be, they really will be. If you've ever gone to a flea circus or flea market and people collect stuff of, uh, you know, 50 years ago, and uh, they can't even tell half of the time what it is. A friend of mine got me a gift here a couple of years ago of some kind of a funny thing made out of iron and brass with legs on it and with knobs on the side. And it was, it's, got, it's threaded, you see. You can move it up and down, and nobody knows what it is. He says, it's about 50 years old, but nobody knows what it did. And uh, I personally, from the looks of it, I think it was used by the Al Capone mob 
to get information. Uh, it's very handy. You know, it, 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 in fact, the, the clamp on it just fits the wrist. And if you move the big wheel on the top, boy, you can get any information you want. It really squishes down. <laughs> I mean, it was a, so. Uh, uh, anyway, what I'm getting at here is there's a lot of stuff around today that uh, 50 years from now people are going to be collecting. They'll say, "Geez, weren't those colorful people back in 1975 and 1976? Those people really lived an interesting life." I don't know what this thing is, but it has a lot of style, and uh, they'll hang it on the wall and they'll light it. For example, have you seen those things of advertising on television that uh, inject? studs in blue jeans to make, uh, you know, beautiful designs, so-called. <laughs> Can you imagine 50 years from now they try to figure out what the hell that is? Or even what a blue jean was? And, uh, you know, it's, well, well it's, a, it's a blue jean decorator back in the days when they wore blue jeans back in those days. Or do you think that 50 years from now they're still going to be wearing them? Forget it, friend. No, no, you know. <laughs> that's one of the great illusions in mankind. He always thinks that the way he lives now is the way people are always going to live. It just doesn't work that way in real life. And uh, how about that one? Uh, then there's, there's another machine on on uh, television these days that's being advertised just before TV, you know, just before TV celebrates Christmas. It's a machine that apparently makes some kind of a wild, uh, strange-looking doily. And it has a handle. You go, chikung, 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 chikung. And you feed different colored yarns into it. Chikung, 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 chikung. And you make, as the announcer says, makes beautiful $50 wall hangings. Chikung, chikung. Even grandma can use it because it doesn't require any difficult finger work. Chikung, chikung, chikung. Well, I can see that machine 50 years from now being collected by a collector, and he'll have not the slightest idea what the hell the thing did. As a matter of fact, I think that by March, if you get one for Christmas now, you won't be able to remember what it did. You just go, chikung, 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 and you make a picture of an owl. <laughs> you hang it on your wall. Well, uh, those, those machines, uh, I've never really uh, known anybody except one person who actually bought them, who couldn't help it. Uh, in fact, I knew this lady, and there was a kind of a sad story. She said... Uh, I don't know. She says, I hate Christmas time. And I said, well, well why is that? Uh, uh, why, why, uh, uh, Mrs. Twigley? She says, well, I just hate Christmas time. She says, Charles just can't help himself. He has to buy all that stuff that's on television. She says, I have seven different automatic electrical transistorized can openers now. She says, I have four different uh, types of machine which uh, make doilies. I have one that uh, makes uh, makes uh, colorful loom rugs. And she says, I have never... I wonder how many people are going to get a loom for Christmas, which they will use for three and a half minutes on Christmas Eve and never look at again. Uh, <laughs> I, do you remember a few years ago when everybody was going through the uh, power-driven carving knife craze? when there were power-driven carving knives, and everybody... In fact, I, I even know a guy that got a power-driven fork. Yes, they made a, a fork that was power-driven. It says uh, it, it, it saves time eating. Don't you realize if you have a power-driven fork, that thing uh, shovels that stuff up quicker than they can give it to you. 
And uh, he got this power-driven fork. It runs off of two pen-light batteries. It comes in seven decorator shades with an imitation bone handle carved by the Eskimos of Lapland. It's beautiful. And uh, he tried this thing. The only trouble is it vibrated so. It uh, got away from him twice. Once he chased his aunt right down the stairs, it just went off, you know. But uh, you can get uh, all kinds of great stuff. And Christmas, friends, is the time when it all sneaks out. You know that, uh, that uh, one of the most uh, important studies in the ancient world, the archaeological world, is the study of the gifts of the ancients. And yes, they have discovered many gifts that were given uh, by people to the departed uh, loved one in Egypt, the deceased. And the gift talks about the hopes and the aspirations of the people of the time. You know, a little boat for to carry him forever down to the river Styx or something. Well, uh, I think our gifts show the same thing. The aspirations of our time. To have a machine that carves the ham for you. And uh, to have a machine that uh, makes, your, uh, makes your blue jeans into a thing of beauty, which is a joke for the start. But uh, I wonder how many... Well, I don't want to get into that. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Just a minute more. Under my desk is something that I have never used that was given to me. It was a lapidary set. Make your own jewel. <laughs> it looks terrible, but <laughs> you make your own jewel. It's uh, retired for the country. Oh, wow. This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In the Conversation.